0: Hi everyone, I'm Ashton McManus, Director of Marketing at Affectiva. Welcome to Affectiva Asks, a human perception AI podcast, where each episode we will interview a thought leader doing cutting-edge work in the AI space. A little bit about us, Affectiva is the pioneer of human perception AI, software that can detect nuanced human emotions, complex cognitive states, behaviors, activities, and interactions. And Affectiva is applying this technology to advance the next generation of multimodal and cabin sensing. We have a special episode today featuring Karen Osario, Senior R&D Scientist at Procter & Gamble, and President and Co-Founder of Bag in the Back, an organization with the mission to increase awareness to parents and caregivers about the dangers about vehicular heat stroke. About one child every nine days in the U.S. die yearly in hot cars from vehicular heat stroke. 90% of these victims are under three years old. While this is clearly a problem, it is one that is surrounded by stigma. Think this is the... This could never happen to me mentality. In fact, only 5% of parents receive any information about preventing infant death by vehicular heat stroke compared to 90% of parents receiving information on SIDS from pediatricians. And yet, everyone is at risk. During our discussion, Karen explains the psychology behind the prevalence of autopilot moments and false memories. Both are brain processing errors that are common and unpreventable. Karen was kind enough to share her story with me on why she founded this organization and what they are striving to do to drive down these statistics in children's deaths. On the line, I
1: have Karen Osario, Senior R&D Scientist at Procter & Gamble. Karen, thank you so much for making the time to speak with me today. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. So to start, um, can you tell us a little bit about your organization, Bag in the
2: Back, and its mission? So the Bag in the Bag is a program that we have um, established, um, and is the primary program for the SOFIA Foundation of Children's Safety. And the mission um, that we, we're hoping to achieve is to educate the community um, by creating contents of habits that can um prevent injuries in children. And the one that we're working towards is the back in the back, um, which is a preventative habit to, um, for, for children that are left unknowingly in the car. And it's also aiming to prevent heat stroke. Great.
1: So let's step back for a minute. Um, what has your career path been
2: and how did you get where you are today? Oh. Yeah my career path is a little bit different from the, from the foundation but um so basically i i am a molecular biologist and geneticist by training um and and i my my phd was on skin health and i ended up in working for p&g um which is a consumer goods company that um, offers a variety of products. One one of them is a line of skincare products, um, and I and I do research on skincare. Great. So um,
1: this this organization obviously is very personal to you. I was wondering if you could please uh, share your story with us.
2: And um, I had a daughter and her name was Sophia and she died to vehicular heat stroke and in the moment that that event happened um, there were many questions that I have and one of them is why I didn't know that I was at risk and i started looking for a lot of information and i uh, started looking at some of the baby books to make sure that you know maybe i missed it and my realization was that at that time um, there is not so much awareness um of vehicular heat stroke and and when you you double click on that and start trying to figure out why. It's like a lot of the information that is today available is coming from the media. Um, and on cases of parents that have been um, charged on the case of a, a death of vehicular his stroke. So it is not commonly talked by pediatricians. It is not commonly talked by the the, the caregivers. Um, and it is not found on the um, baby books mm-hmm. so um so when 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 i was trying to you know heal mm-hmm. which actually is like a, apparently is like a, a journey um i wanted to do something to create awareness um, in a non threatening way to the community on this um safety threat
1: right
2: um, and we we started by asking people um to understand how many parents are actually um aware of this infant threat um, and And we found that there were um approximately fifty percent of the parents that have awareness we also uh, start asking how many parents are doing something about it. And we also found out that like at least 50% of the parents aren't doing anything to prevent it. Um, And when you compare this with um, SIDS, which is another infant threat, um, which is highly talked about by the pediatricians, and it's also in books, and when you start seeing how people are preventing or do, taking action, you see that there is more activity. Like around approximately 90%, 95% of the parents know about SEATs, and, and more than 70% are taking preventative ha- action. Wow. So we wanted to, to, to try to do something similar for vehicular heat stroke. So you shared a, a couple of stats
1: with us, and we've heard—you know—we've all seen stories on the news. Um, what kind of problem are we dealing with here?
2: Back in the um, '90s, there was a change on the um, on the law that required putting the children in the back of the of the car to avoid um, injuries during a car accident okay because there was a, a a high number of children that were dying in car accidents, accidents. so yeah. what happened is that they um, they changed the law and and then also the car seat um was part of the the changing the law and in addition to that the children that are under the age of 2 they're required to be um Looking towards the seat rather mm. to the to the front, right. and with that change, there was a reduction in the number of children that were dying by by car accidents, but there was an increase in the incidence of children that were dying by because of vehicle stroke. When you start looking at, at vehicle stroke and why it happens, and there have been that have left their children intentionally in the car. That has created an opinion. However, the majority of the parents that, that um, lose a child due to a headache heat stroke are not doing it intentionally. Mm-hmm. They have um, a false memory or um, I would say, I would call it like a, a, a moment of amnesia where they thought that they did something that actually didn't happen. And it is more common than the reported number of deaths because many of the children uh, that are left in the car sometimes are found within the 15 minutes, 30 minutes, two hours, some of them end up in the hospital. And And the vehicle history is usually children are more at risk during the summer seasons when the, the climate is about 70 degrees outside. So basically, it is a huge problem this, the statistics are not reflecting, actually, the, the number of children that are left unattended in the car. Part of it is that parents are not aware that they they are at risk of leaving them. Um, we also run a survey, and we, you, we know we ask um, parents that have children under the age of five to share if they have left their child unknowingly in the car. One out of 50 say yes, that they have. Um, And there's four million kids that are born each year, and they're under the age of one. So if you start adding the numbers, the number is quite high.
1: Yeah, you mentioned um, this a little bit, but how often is this happening, and why do you think it's happening?
2: So if you look at vehicular heat stroke, in the summer months, every three to five days, there's a kid that is dying. So last year, there were 50 children that, that died to a heat stroke. Wow. This is not happening during the winter months, yes, but the, the, the parents are still leaving the child unknowingly in the car, but it doesn't go reported. To get the true statistics, we need more information and we don't have it. We can just infer based on the, the number of incidence level that we have in the summer months. That, that is like the challenge that we have right now. But based on what we know so far and based on like the, um, the, the responses that we have had from parents, it is more common than we anticipated.
1: So you mentioned um, some contributing factors like autopilot moments and false memories on your website and in some of your materials. Can you explain more about what those are? So,
2: an autopilot memory, an autopilot moment. When you are in a routine, there is a big group of people that have routines during the morning and they have routines during their days. You just do things automatically. Mm-hmm. So, you you brush your teeth, you make coffee, you, you cook breakfast, then you enter the car, and then you go to work. Um, and sometimes... When there is a change on your routine, it can affect your, your autopilot moments and the person that assumes that did something when it actually did not happen. And autopilot moments can happen when, when you are um, in the car um, and then you're driving to a place and, and, and you miss an exit. And that is also an example, an autopilot moment, or you you thought that you sent an email when it never happened, um, or people thought that they closed the garage door when they did not close the garage. Usually the reminder, like people get reminders that they, they went through an autopilot moment when they see the garage door open, or when they pass their exit, um, or when they... Um, Receive a a call from a colleague saying, "Oh, you have not sent the email." But, but on their own, you don't notice if the autopilot moment has to happen unless you have something that is very clear to you that it didn't happen. Usually, when in the cases of vehicular heat strokes, some of the parents have reported that there was a change in routine, and the change in routine can be something as simple that the day before. The father was the one who took the child to daycare. A changing routine could be that they had um, a grandma in the house for a couple of months and then the grandma left. Um, a changing routine can be something as exciting as going on vacation. And those events can can affect the, the autopilot moment, you know, can, can lead to an autopilot moment.
1: Interesting, and what about uh, false memories?
2: So false memory occurs in people that, like this is how like, they visualize stuff, and mm-hmm. usually like you can have like a checklist of things to do in the day, and you say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. People start visualizing something, and sometimes they assume that that happened. Mm-hmm. you know it did even if it didn't happen they see it as if they it has happened because it happened very vividly on their mind false memories are actually quite common um because like, pe- people remember things in a way that, that that it might not reflect their the actual reality but it's something that is very common and a false memory could be that you saw your dropping your child in the daycare, talking to the teacher when none of those events happened. That is a field that is actually a study in psychology for crime scenes. We, when we talk to some of the experts, they say that could, that could be another reason why um, parents leave children unknowingly in the car.
1: So, and I'm just curious. I didn't see anything about drowsiness being a cause for these this on your site for these kinds of incidents. Is that not typically a cause, especially for new parents who are maybe sleep deprived, or is it kind of woven into a factor of the other causes?
2: Uh. So, when when we started the back in the back message, we look at what is out there in terms of the data. There is no data saying that lack of sleep increases your false memories or your autopilot moment. So we don't have that information. And we do know that parents overall are sleep deprived. If that were the case, then you will see more cases of of the event. So we we didn't have enough data that was pointing us to say with confidence, yeah, lack of sleep, it is a factor that leads to autopilot moments or that leads to and false memories.
1: So let's talk prevention. So tell us a little bit about, you know, the bag in the back method. How does it work and how can caregivers implement it?
2: Yeah. So the bag in the back message what is it consists of putting an item of daily use in the back of the seat that it will force you to go in the car if you enter into an autopilot moment or a false memory. So if a person uses their cell phone every day within you know 30 minutes of leaving the car, then that should be the item that is on the back seat. What it does is that once you put your 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 personal item in the back, You're gonna be always forced to open the back door and look. Even if you're, you know, even if you have done everything right, sometimes, you know, your memory might fail. That habit might force you to look in the back seat when you're in an autopilot moment, or in a, you're having a false memory. So that that is basically what, what is the habit about. We have heard, like as a result of some of this that uh, we have heard of like parents that they started putting their an item of of frequent use in the back seat, and they opened the door and they saw the, their child there mm-hmm. so it's it's as simple as that it's just it's just like adding another layer of protection to the parent or the caregiver in case that their memory fails them. That's it. Yeah, and when you think about it, there's like many habits that parents practice on a daily basis to prevent injury for their children. You know, in the example of seats, you know, is they sleep on their back alone and in a crib. When you think about to prevent um, choking, um, you know, you squeeze the the grapes or you squeeze the food. So it is just a, a simple habit that just adds another layer of safety in your routine as a parent. That's it.
1: So what challenges is your organization, Bag in the Back, currently facing?
2: I would say that we have been very um, blessed to have a community that is supporting us. What I can see the that is the challenge of this message is that it comes with a lot of stigma. And there is a reaction that comes from a lot of parents that this could have, this could never happen to me. What type of parent leave a child in the car? And that is a, a reaction because people care for the children and they cannot conceive this happening. We would like to achieve is to have a community that is more receptive to say, well, maybe this could happen to me. Or if they never see that that could happen to them, they at least will adopt the habit just in case, you know. Right. Um, but but it's, a, it's a difficult message to communicate.
1: So at Affectiva, we're, we're working with car OEMs and Tier 1 suppliers on human perception AI, which is about detecting all things human within the car Uh, Today, we're focused on driver monitoring specifically and improving road safety that way through, you know, distraction and drowsiness detection. Um, But we're expanding our AI to things like detecting children left behind. Um, So from where you are sitting and based on your experiences, how might this be most helpful to caregivers? What would a successful implementation of this technology look like to you?
2: Died through vehicle. His stroke is due to entrapment. Mm-hmm. So they they enter the, the car and then they don't know how to get out. A technology that can detect motion when the car is off and is sending an alert system to the parents and to another caregiver could prevent some of these injuries in a timely manner. I think time is like the, the key for this event.
1: So if you could have one takeaway for the audience listening today, many of whom I'm sure have young children in their lives, what would you like to tell them?
2: I would like to encourage them to read a little bit more about the Hicker Heat Stroke, what they can do to prevent it. Adopting the -the back-in-the-back habit is a, I would say, a must for all the parents. There are other things that they can also do in addition to back-in-the-back. Some recommendations of if a parent is in usually in a routine, they talk to their caregivers or to the daycare and they ask them in the event that um, I have not shown up with my child, please call me. So there are many layers of protection that a parent can take, back in the back is one, but that doesn't prevent them to take additional ones. Do you have any asks of them or how they can help? Talking about it. I think that, like, my ask for the community will be talk, talk to your partner, to the grandparents, and to your, you know, other children in the house. The vehicle history, it doesn't, um, it, it happens to every caregiver. It has happened to the school. It has happened to the, the babysitter. It has happened to the mom, the dad, the grandpas. It has happened to the sister and brother. So it doesn't discriminate to who is going to happen. And so having a discussion in the family that this is something that to be aware of is very important. And discussing the habits of prevention, I think, is imperative in every family to to have those discussions.
1: So this has been super fascinating, uh, difficult topic to discuss, but certainly an important one. Um, For our listeners, can you let us know where they can go to learn more?
2: So our we have like a website right now and it's So We currently are giving um some information on the on the topic. We have pamphlets, we have flyers. They're currently being used in pediatricians' offices. And in some of the the schools, in daycare schools, if you want to have more information, that is a place to go. If you want to receive some information in PDF files to use it in your office or to share with your your friends, that's another, another place that you can go and, and request the information and we will send it. I think that that's like awareness is the first goal for us.
1: Well, so this has been great, Karen. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak
2: with me today. Thank you for the invitation. Full
0: disclosure I am a mother of a two year old daughter, so Karen's mission and personal story really resonated with me. In addition to the work she's doing, I found the research she shared with me truly fascinating. For example, that this became an issue after a law in the 90s required that young children be secured in rear facing car seats in the back seat made so much sense. One could see how an infant could be forgotten, not only because they're out of sight, out of mind, but because they sleep often. They're not making a lot of noise. Another interesting takeaway for me personally was addressing the stigma head-on. Karen did warn me about backlash, but as she mentioned at the end of our conversation, the best hope that we have to combat these kinds of instances is to create awareness of them by talking about it, as no one is immune. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Remember to subscribe to Affectiva's Human Perception AI podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts for new episodes. We are also on social media, so please reach out to us on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram at Affectiva to share any feedback you have on the show and weigh in on the discussion using hashtag AffectivaPodcast. Until next time, thanks for listening.